It's a special Thursday edition of the 41 Files. Digital producer Sam Hartle here, joined in the 41 Action News podcast studio by reporter Ariel Rothfield. Hello. Hello. And by a man of several hats, Todd Palmer. Hey, what's up, Sam? So yesterday, big news in Chiefs Kingdom, uh, across actually across the NFL, uh, when we found out the results uh, of an investigation or a review of an investigation by Johnson County District Attorney Steve Howe. Um, Ariel, there was a news conference yesterday at 3 o'clock. Um, talk about why he called the news conference and what we learned as it relates to Chiefs star wide receiver Tyreek Hill. Well, it was a little unusual because typically a district attorney doesn't call a news conference if he or she declines to pursue charges. But uh, District Attorney Howe was so frustrated, and that's why he said he uh, had a news conference yesterday. He said clearly a crime had been committed against a three-year-old boy. Yeah, I was going to say, to be clear, there's there's a child abuse investigation that, right. that police had visited the Tyreek Hill's house where he lives with his uh, fiance Chris Espinall, who, by the way, is pregnant with twins, but they had visited twice in March, which is how all this kind of came about. Right. So we knew about that in mid-March. Uh, the first incident was March 5th. The second incident was March 14th. Well, those are the that those are the times that the police investigated. We don't actually know when the alleged abuse took place. We just know when police responded to the house. It's it's actually believed that the abuse took place as much as a month or even two before March 5th. So in, in when the police did their investigations on those two incidents, those two cases that we know of, put those reports together on those dates, um, everything was turned over to the district attorney. And the district attorney could not determine who exactly committed the crime. And he said he was frustrated. Clearly, again, a three-year-old boy was hurt. Um, but they couldn't prove it. And he kept repeating he would rather let innocent people walk than put or guilty people walk than put an innocent person away in jail. And that was his whole stance. But I think the reason why he put on a press conference is because he's frustrated. And it almost served as sort of a message, sort of a warning that it's frustrating. It happens, but we don't want it to happen. If you see something, say something, report it. I thought what was interesting, in addition to the fact that you know he made he came out right off the bat and said, "Hey, we're not charging anybody uh, following our review of the incident." Uh, but then he went on to speak for about sixteen minutes with the caveat, and sometimes you know this is kind of standard course where you have uh, an official saying, "Hey, I can't answer, I won't be able to answer all of your questions." But he still spoke for fifteen, sixteen minutes um, about a wide variety of things. One of the things, obviously, the takeaway is. You know, we got some are, some answers yesterday, but this is not the end of of the investigation um, into what ha- what happened earlier this year. No, so put the criminal investigation aside. He confirmed to us that there is a current active investigation with the Kansas Department of Children and Families that is actually looking at the welfare of the little boy. Uh, Todd could probably speak about kind of where the little boy is now, what we know of that. But but uh, the district attorney was saying that investigation is still ongoing. One reason why he couldn't maybe explain or provide us any more details than he did. And he also left the window open for criminal like charges. In Kansas, you can bring criminal charges within five years. So in, the, I, in this particular case, he could come back if correct. there's new evidence. Right. So well, no one's out of the woods just yet. Well, I, I think that's I think that's part of why he did what he did and the timing of it, because I, I think he's clearly frustrated with the investigation. I, I think he's clearly believes that um, at, at some level there's been some sort of stonewalling. Now, Tyree Kill's attorneys uh, released a statement 
today, um, as we talk on Thursday, the day after the attorney, uh, the Jack, uh, uh, how gave his press conference and said he's cooperated. He never invoked his Fifth Amendment right um, and so on and so forth. And, and basically um, asserted his innocence and said that the welfare of his three-year-old son, Zev, is his top priority. But I think that part of what Hal's calculation and coming out and being not, not hiding his frustration at all is the hope that maybe someone who does know something about this case will feel guilty after seeing this and now may come forward. So you're right. This, this may not be the end for Tyreek Hill. And something else to note, I was telling Todd about uh, as we were walking in, I mean, uh, Tyreek Hill will still have to face questions, presumably from the NFL. And if the DA wanted to subpoena any of that information the NFL gets, anything that Tyreek Hill says to them, they could do that. And that's what could trigger charges. So what you're saying is basically the NFL could reach a different conclusion than Steve Howe, and they're not constrained by having to prove a criminal case? Well, the, I mean, it, it, yeah. I mean, the NFL is a workplace. I mean, it's a workplace. It's a business. So they're not – they don't have the same – uh, you know, burden of proof that you would have, uh, you know, beyond the, the beyond a reasonable doubt standard. They don't have to worry about it. admissibility of evidence. They, they you know, and we know for a fact, we know that on March 14th, the day before um, uh, everything, or I, I guess it was on March 12th, uh, but uh, uh, that the Chiefs, uh, well, the NFL security team had reached out for information related to this child abuse case. So we know that the NFL and the Chiefs were aware of it, were looking into it, even before um, it hit the news that Tyreek Hill was at the center of this investigation. And it's not uncommon um, for the NFL, um, if you embarrass the shield, um, to suspend people, even in the absence of charges. It's happened before. I mean, uh, you just look at Kareem Hunt. Uh, the Chiefs dismissed him in December. He has not been charged in connection with what happened in Cleveland. Um, I don't think he was charged in connection with punching the man in the face at the resort uh, in Ohio uh, last June either. Wasn't charged in connection with the fight uh, at Mosaic last G- or in January 2018. He wasn't charged in any of those incidents that we're aware of, but he's still facing an eight-game suspension from the NFL. So it's entirely possible that even with the absence of charges, even with his attorneys asserting Tyreek Hill's innocence, that he could still be in trouble with the NFL. One, one quick question, and I don't know if you, either of you guys have the answer to this. Uh, one of the other things that Howe said, that because this case involves a minor, that some of the, the records, maybe if not all of them, uh, will be sealed. Um, does the NFL, I mean, certainly as a media outlet, we can, we can you know, kick and scream and, and try to access those records, but if they're sealed, they're sealed. Surely the NFL wouldn't have any greater access to that, right? Well, we asked how about that, if the NFL could get any records, any of the sealed records, um, that we can't get. And he told us absolutely not that they are held to the same exact standards that other news organizations such as us, such as that we're held to. So unless you know differently, Todd. Well, I mean. <laughs> or maybe they, his they, attorneys. They, 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 I was going to say, they probably can't formally get any uh, Freedom of Information, uh, anything more than we could through a Freedom of Information Act necessarily from the Johnson County District Attorney. But depending on re- what relationships you have with the attorneys involved in the case, certainly they could allow you to peek at the records. Um, and depending on you know what those records say, um, if you're Tyreek Hill's defense attorney and you've got, uh, you know, presumably you've got whatever the police have through the discovery process, um, and there is evidence in there that you think strongly exonerates 
uh, Tyreek Hill or strongly points to the fact that he should not be suspended in this case um, for whatever reason. Uh, I mean, certainly you could allow someone to you know leave the file on right. your desk. Somebody happens to see it, and and the you know that uh, the. So anything like that's possible. I mean, I suppose the same thing could happen if uh, if someone with the NFL security team is, is real good friends with somebody in the Johnson County Courthouse too. I mean, all those things are certainly possible, but I don't think that I don't think that those records are going to see the light of day unless someone has a strategic reason for it. Sure, I agree. How's this playing out in the court of public opinion? I know that yesterday, obviously, you're at the courthouse, and so you're not monitoring Twitter, and and the other side of it is Twitter is not public opinion. Um, but Todd, in the last 24 hours, what have you seen from from Chiefs fans in terms of of how they're reacting to uh, the Tyreek? Not necessarily getting off, but not having faced his charges yesterday. Well, I, I think. Look, it it's split like almost everything else in this country right now. I mean, on the one hand. I mean, when you consider some of the things that, for example, our president says and does, um, you know, there are some people who say, why, on what planet does it make sense to hold up NFL players as a moral compass for this, for this world? Like, why are we holding them to a higher standard than we would a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, the president? Um, and so I don't care. He didn't get charged. Shut up and let him play. I think that's a minority opinion right now. I think... In the court of public opinion, especially after Steve Howe kind of came out. And, and look, I, I felt like his press conference was in some ways a giant middle finger toward Tyreek Hill um, and, and toward everyone involved in the, in, in the investigation who is maybe um, worried about things other than the safety and welfare of the three-year-old child. Um, and and, and that, I mean, that's what it felt like to me. The, the anger, I, you just don't see anger from a district attorney like that, frustration expressed publicly. And usually how it's pretty calculated and how he appears in, in the media. Correct. I mean, that, that was, and, and I, I think it was a calculated decision. I, I think it was meant to be emotive, and I think it was meant uh, for him to, I mean, look, the words he chose that we think a crime has occurred and we're very frustrated as a father and as a prosecutor that we can't move forward with this case, I, I mean, that's that wasn't, a mistake, and that came out uh, right at the top. There was yeah, no, oh, that wasn't a follow up oh, yeah, to a reporter was, question. That was prepared remark. Yeah, no, that was that was Steve Howe. I mean, he just His he, first he sentence. Just, yeah, he decided he was gonna he was gonna take a, a you know hook uppercut <laughs> right away, and and he, I think he landed both. And so I think for a lot of fans, especially if you have chill, children or you know a child, which is basically all of us, um, you got to be a little disgusted by it. And I, I was talking to my wife about it last night, and I was like, okay, let's say that the Chiefs decide to keep him because um, there were no charges, and he's playing on the team. And let's say late in the fourth quarter, they're down four points, and Tyreek Hill catches a touchdown to, to win the Super Bowl next February. I mean, are you going to root are, for him? Are, are, you, are you cheering? For, I mean, how, how hard are you cheering for that? And, and is there a part of you in the back? Of the, is there a, a piece of you in the back of your mind that still is disgusted by the fact that there's a chance, and, and again, nothing's been proven, but there's a chance that, that – that he was involved in in either he was part of the investigation. He, that he was either involved in injuring the child or or involved you, in covering maybe. up um, injuries to his three year old. And, and if that's the case, um, it, it, you can't feel that's that that's you feel kind of gross about that. And another reaction that I've seen, it's not directly tied to the Chiefs, but that the fact people are disgusted. This happens all of the time. This is just one example of somebody in the sp- spotlight that we can show this happens all the time, but there are hundreds of cases in which police investigate child abuse cases daily, weekly, monthly, and they can't 
find out who exactly did it. So whoever they suspect just walks away. Well, and that's that's one of the interesting things I thought for how was right. I mean, because basically he he was he was kind of taking the adults in this case to town because at one point he said, um, you know, like the three year old can't tell us what happened, which means you're relying on the adults involved to be honest with the prosecutors and explain how the injuries to this child took place or, or, or the injuries you believe happened to this child took place. And, and I think that's where the frustration is, is that somebody somewhere along the line has decided not to come forward and explain how the child got hurt. Um, and, and I think, like you said, to your point, I think that happens a lot. Anytime you have a toddler who can't explain to police exactly what happened, if, if somebody won't come forward and speak on behalf of that child, then, then the abuser gets away with it. Ariel, at the end of, uh, of your shift um, every night, you kind of have a conversation and, and you kind of talk with your colleagues about what's next in the story. Um, as, as a reporter, what are the next things uh, that you are going to be looking for uh, as, as it relates to reporting of the story? So I think first and foremost, it's the investigation into their son. I I think where that DCF investigation goes is going to be telling if the child is allowed back inside the home. Also, do we know do we know where the child is right now? No, don't know where the child is. Just we know that he had been removed from the home, and then how said that the child is safe. So So. we presume that he's still out of the house, but also and obviously (laughs) Tyreek Hill and Crystal Espinall. We're in court last in family court last week dealing with some of the ramifications of the DCF investigation. Right. And then as Todd mentioned, Crystal is pregnant with twins. And one of the questions we asked yesterday is what's gonna happen to those babies once they're born? Is there gonna be a plan in place? Because I think the whole situation, whether you're a Chiefs fan or not, you really are worried and you wanna root for the little boy and make sure that he's okay or or those two babies once they're born. And I think as a reporter, it's following the DCF investigation and seeing kind of what plans are in place and what happens to those children. Ariel, thanks for your great reporting uh, yesterday. We'll certainly uh, stay on tabs uh, with your reporting moving uh, forward. Uh, Todd, I wanted to keep you uh, around. Uh, Ariel, you're more than welcome to stick around. Um, we just found out. Uh, but she's a Dolphins fan, so I don't know. Right. Oh. I mean, <laughs> if we're going to transition to how this impacts the Chiefs, like she probably doesn't know much about football considering Miami hasn't played football in several years. If you follow Ariel on Twitter <laughs> on Sunday afternoons in the fall, you know that she knows plenty. About football, uh, not good football. Um, she wears <laughs> the wrong. She wears the wrong jersey. But um, we, while we've been recording, the Chiefs just made the trade official with Frank Clark, uh, the defensive uh, end from the Seattle Seahawks. He's not immune to some of the stuff that we've been talking about. If the Chiefs do make a Super Bowl run, there's that two week period where there's a whole bunch of hype. There's a one week media, media period. This issue is now surrounding this Chiefs organization, whether they, they like it or not. How is this? As an umbrella issue going to impact this season, do you think? Well, I, I don't know that it's going to necessarily impact what the Chiefs do on the field um, unless they end up cutting uh, Tyreek Hill or moving on from Ty- Tyreek Hill, something like, along those lines. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just I don't see it having a big impact. Um, you know, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, it's not going to affect his preparation. It's not going to affect how defenses game plan and scheme for them. It's not going to affect how Andy Reid um, tries to use the pieces that they have. It's not going to affect the installation of Steve Spagnuolo's new defense. And um, Briefly on the Frank Clark thing, first of all, I, I don't think the Chiefs make the trade if they didn't if Tyreek was getting charged the next day. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm of the opinion that the Chiefs probably had an idea of what was going to be said 
Wednesday before they made the trade, or uh, you know, and of course what? it wasn't official. Um, I also think that the Chiefs didn't announce the trade until today um, because one, they didn't have to because it's first run of the draft. But now that they make it official, uh, maybe Chiefs headlines on Google search <laughs> change a little bit from what they were uh, the last twenty four hours. Um, so yeah. again, I think that could be a calculus. Real, real quick, I wonder, and and there's only one person that can answer this, and that's Steve Howe. If part of his frustration was how the Chiefs are kind of sort of playing this as it relates to Frank Clark, as it relates to his news conference, as it relates to the investigation. Well, that, the thing with Frank Clark is, um, Josina Anderson did a great piece with him last summer um, because, about the steps about his life and how he's got well to this about point. his life and about growing up um, in, in a single parent family with a, a mother who was a crack addict um, and living on literally Skid Row in in Los Angeles. Which, um, you know, you can find that on Facebook. I believe it's from like July or August 2018. Uh, but in it, the woman that he allegedly, um, you know, got into domestic uh, violence assault with when during his time at, uh, at the University of Michigan um, says he didn't actually touch her. Um, and and he, they are actually, Frank Clark and, and Diamond are actually still together, have a child together. Eerily similar to Tyreek and Crystal in that. Because Crystal Espinall, for those who, who don't know, going back to Tyreek real quick, um, was the woman that Tyreek allegedly punched in the stomach and choked when she was pregnant with Zev at Oklahoma State University. Um, but you got to remember, the Chiefs have been dealing with these domestic violence-related issues for a long time, really since they drafted Tyreek Hill three years ago, um, because it was a very controversial pick. A lot of teams had taken him completely off the board. The Chiefs decided that his 4.24 40-yard dash um, was just too good to ignore, and they took him. And by and large, he'd been uh, a good good presence in the locker room and a good citizen um, until, the la- you know, at least as far as we know publicly. Um, but they also they had the Kareem Hunt issue, um, and then obviously with the trade for Frank Clark, who pled guilty to disorderly conduct not uh, domestic violence, but still had that arrest uh, on his record. Um, it's clear that the Chiefs don't, if they, they if they care, they don't care enough not to bring players in with that in their background or to keep them around. Because it's also important to remember the Chiefs knew about the incidents uh, with Kareem Hunt in January 2018, February 2018, and June 2018, and did nothing about it. Until TMZ released a video and Clark Hunt said, hey, you lied to me about what happened last February. You're off the team. But he wasn't kicked off the team because he allegedly struck a woman. That would have happened sooner than, you know, nine months after Mm -hmm. the fact. So I I think part of that has to do with Andy Reid. You have to remember Andy Reid's the guy who gave Michael Vick a second chance um, after Michael Vick was arrested for the dogfighting. Andy Reid's a guy who believes that in giving second chances and believes that he can work with guys in those situations. The problem now becomes, though, when you get burned by it. Um, and, and if some of the things we're hearing are true, I mean, obviously they felt like they got burned bad enough by Kareem Hunt that they had to let him go. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether they feel the same way about Tyreek. Right. I, mean, I think I think second, second chances, I think if you're or, an organization and a person with the character of, of Clark Hunt and, and Andy Reid, um, part of your calculation and second chances is that you're not going to have a 100% success rate. So I think that goes with it. Um, I, I just think the the main issue for the Chiefs is that um, it, it's going to be a part of the conversation um, as the as the team. Um, you know, it's not like they're an eight and eight team. Uh, you know, they're a Super Bowl contender. Well, they're going to be on pl- six, five or six primetime games. This is going to come up, and it's going to come up frequently. And 
And look, if if they're playing in the Super Bowl and this is part of the narrative the two weeks before that, then they'll be fine with that because they'll be playing in a Super Bowl. And ultimately, that's the goal of the business this year is to win a Super Bowl. Um, so again, um, if you're looking at the Chiefs to set the moral compass for for our country, then we've severely misplaced our values because their job is not to make you necessarily even feel good about cheering for them. Their job is to go win football games. Um, and, um, you know, whether they move on from Tyreek or not, whether Tyreek gets suspended or not, um, you know, I mean, those decisions are going to be made, uh, you know, above my pay grade. But ultimately the Chiefs are probably going to do um, what they feel is best within within whatever they're comfortable with. Obviously, obviously, if you look at the Cream Hunt situation, they are comfortable with a certain level of of violent behavior, even in public. I mean, they, they put up with a lot from again. Lynn. He wasn't he was not charged in any of those. Instances. He wasn't charged, but look, they put up with a lot of. I mean, this isn't the first guy they've dealt with. This is not even the first running back. I mean, Larry Johnson had a lot of alcohol fueled incidents, and they put up with a lot because Larry Johnson was a good running back in the NFL for a while. I mean, th- you know, and and look, they're not the only NFL team that, that does this. I mean, you know, there there are guys who literally have been convicted of manslaughter. <laughs> Than, you know, or have been on trial for obstruction of justice and murder cases and have come back to the NFL and are celebrated players to this day. Um, you know, so it, let's not pretend like the Chiefs are, you know, the, the only organization that has this issue um, and that has difficulty in how to navigate these kind of waters because that, that wouldn't be fair either. I want to bring back in Ariel real quick. Is there is, is there any evidence that at the very least, even if if our sports figures and our sports franchises um, you know, aren't going to be the bastions of, of, of you know, model behavior is the, is the very least that we can learn lessons of what they're going through and apply them um, to the general public as it relates to having a more robust conversation uh, about domestic violence, about uh, mental health in, in many respects. Do you see any sense of that? Yes, to some extent. I think it opens up the conversation. It, it makes people talk about the issues. I think anytime something happens to a public figure, we see numbers increase. For example, taking it out of football to something a little more girly. When Kate Spade took her life away, we saw a surge in calls to the suicide ho- national hotline. So could this fuel something talking about child abuse and, and preventing situations from escalating or, or people calling into a hotline possibly. And that's something to keep our eye out. Todd, real quick, your final, or what's next from a football perspective as it relates to this? Well, okay. In, in January, 2019, after the AFC championship game loss, there was probably a 90% chance that this offseason or next, uh, I would even put it at 98% chance this offseason or next Tyreek Hill got a, five-year deal worth $100 million or more. Um, I would wager to guess that the Chiefs thinking on that has turned around about 180 degrees. Even if you don't cut Tyreek Hill this year, this you know, you know, any today, uh, before the season, during the 2019 season, I don't see any way that the Chiefs at this point, um, given the controversy when he was drafted and given what has happened in the last six weeks, I don't see how you could possibly feel comfortable giving him a huge money extension like that and making him one of the highest paid players in the NFL. And so I, I think that, that the ultimately um, the chiefs um, 
are going to have to look for another impact wide receiver in this draft or in free agency next year because I think at some point, I, I do not think that Tyreek Hill will be on this team past 2019 if he's on this team in 2019 at all. Todd Palmer, host of the Fourth and One Chiefs podcast. You guys yeah, have it's a big it, week huh? for you guys, right? Yeah, think, yeah, well, we've been doing a lot of draft coverage, so it's been a big, big, it's been a big uh, six weeks for us too, but in a totally different way. So. Uh, and then you'll have a draft recap uh, podcast coming out on Sunday. Yeah, and we're going to have a special guest for that. You guys Ooh. made some hints, vaguely veiled, on, uh, on uh, yesterday's let's, podcast. Let's just say that if you're an NFL fan, you might be screaming Yahoo when you hear our podcast. Uh, we'll, make, we'll make sure to uh, check that out, Ariel Rothfield. Um, I know that uh, you have to actually go do some reporting tonight, so we yeah. appreciate your time for, uh, for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. And we'll see you next week on 41 Files.